So, um, I made that film for a couple of reasons, really. Um, I was really passionate about making a film about truth and the nature of truth. Um, Growing up, I uh, had three really close mates. They were called Callum, Liam and Chris. Um, it's actually with those three mates that probably the most embarrassing moment of my life, you were asking me, uh, I was being asked yesterday about embarrassing moments. I told you probably the second most embarrassing moment when I accidentally touched an old lady's boob. Um, with these three mates, when I was growing up, I probably got the most embarrassing story of my life. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, maybe. You don't, you don't. Okay. Oh, fine, I'll tell you anyway. Okay. <clears throat> when I was in year eight, we went on a French trip. Did you, did you still do that? Did you go out on French trips? This, was, this wasn't like a French exchange trip. This was just a French trip. And we were staying in like, it, it was actually the sort of setup of the dorms weren't too different from here. We, I was staying uh, in a room with these guys, uh, Liam, Chris and Callum, and we were sharing uh, two bunk beds. So we had one bunk bed each. And then what it was, was you had two bunk beds, one on either side. And then at the end of the room, there would be an ensuite toilet. And the great thing about this ensuite toilet was it had a lock that didn't work. And because we were a year eight and we were incredibly funny and very, very intelligent and witty, what that meant was that any time anyone went to the toilet, we thought it would be really funny if we opened the door and went, hey, having a wee. So we did that a lot. Um, it was really marvellous. The problem with that kind of stuff is I'm really good at sort of dishing out humour like that. I'm not so much about taking it. I don't like being the um, butt of the joke for, uh, pardon, pun. And uh, so what I meant was for the course of the two and a half days that we were there, I basically was saving up going to the toilet for the whole time. That is damaging for your health. Don't do that. So I found little points where I needed to do, uh, to do a number one, but didn't do any number twos. And basically what happened was, over the course of two and a half days, I just could not hold it in anymore. So it was coming to about an hour before we were all due to leave, and I thought, right, I need to find an opportunity to go to that toilet at a time when my mates aren't around. So I, I chose very strategically a time where none of, my, none of my mates were around, and I went through the room to check no one was there, past the bunk beds, into the toilet, um, the door, by the way, this becomes important to the toilet, opened outwards. So anyway, I went to the toilet, shut the door, started doing what I needed to do. And for a little while, at least, I was free of concerns that either Liam or Chris or Callum were going to come in and open the door and go, hey. But I was still a little bit conscious, right? I was still a bit nervous that something was going to happen. So this was probably where the wisdom started to fade a little bit. What I decided to do was as I was on the toilet, I decided that I was going to hold the door shut. The door was just about in reach that I could hold on to the handle and keep it shut so that even if my mates did try and come in, they wouldn't be able to get in because I was holding the door shut. See my logic? It's pretty, pretty straightforward. So anyway, I'm sat there and I'm doing what I needed to do and I'm on the toilet. But what I found out as I'm doing this is that actually the door is a tiny bit too far away for comfort. And so as I'm on the toilet, I'm actually not on the toilet properly because I'm starting to slip off the toilet. So I'm grabbing hold of the, of the door and I'm sat there, but at the same time I'm slipping off this toilet whilst I'm holding the door. So I'm holding the door and I'm sitting there and I'm on the toilet, but I'm slipping off the toilet. I'm holding the door and eventually I'm coming off and eventually I fall off the toilet, right? And I look around and on the floor with cream carpet, just a little tiny bit of poo. So, 
I was mortified at this point. I thought, right, I need to do something about this. I need to get rid of this. So what I decided to do was get a load of tissue. I took some tissue out of the little tissue dispenser. I gathered up the poo, and I'm about to put it in the toilet when what happens? My mates burst through the door and go, what the heck are you doing? Because I was on my knees holding my own poo like some kind of twisted version of the Lion King, like offering it up to the strange toilet gods. Oh, my gosh. And I was known as, for years after that, genuinely, Dan, and this was not a clever nickname, but it was just the nickname they gave me, Dan, the boy who held his own poo. That was what I was known as. Four years! That was my identity. Still don't let it go. Every now and again, I get the little poo emoji from our WhatsApp chat. That was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. I'm sharing that with you for vulnerability and so that we can share on a deeper level. Um, the reason I wanted to tell you more about those guys, Chris and Callum and Liam, was because, interestingly, rather than just, as well as being my best mates, they were from totally different backgrounds from me. Um, <clears throat> Chris's parents were Jewish, so his background was Jewish. Uh, Liam's parents were Muslim, so his background was Muslim. Uh, we had a, a Islamic background, and, uh, and Callum, um, no faith background, didn't really believe in God. And so I used to have loads and loads of chats with these guys about truth and about what truth is. What is the difference between Christian, Christianity and Judaism? What is the difference between Islam and Christianity? And I used to wrestle with these questions a lot. And actually, funnily enough, and it's just the kind of way it's worked out, I've spent a lot of my life living with and spending time with people from totally different backgrounds. When I was at uni, I shared a house with three guys as well called Pavan uh, and, and Joe and Mo. And Mo, again, was a uh, Muslim. Joe was a Catholic. Pavan was a, as a, a Hindu. And so I spent a lot of time in uni with them discussing questions of life and of truth and what's the difference between uh, Hinduism and Christianity and, and what's the difference between Judaism and uh, Catholicism and Protestantism and is there like really big differences there? These were questions I used to ask a lot. And I really, really, really care about those sort of questions because I really, really care about what's true. I want to know what's true. There's some drive in me as a human being that wants to make sure that I've got it right. And that's the reason why I never turn away a Jehovah's Witness or I never turn away a conversation with a Mormon. I just love having conversations because I want to work out what's true. In 1 Peter 3.15 it says, always be prepared to give a reason for the faith and the hope that's within you. And so I was taught when I, at my youth groups from a young age to, to know the story of my faith because, so that I could tell people. Because one of the most common questions I was asked when I was a young person with these friends from different faith backgrounds and going to uni and meeting people that had different faith backgrounds and even today, one of the most common questions I get and even at youth group events like this is, why are you a Christian? And it's a great question to ask. And if you are a Christian, I wonder if someone asked you the question, why are you a Christian, what would be the answer that you would give? And as I've thought about that question, I've kind of come up with an answer which, which I think best encapsulates why I'm a Christian. And it's this, that for me, I believe that Christianity makes sense. And when I say makes sense, I guess I mean two things. Firstly, it makes sense to my heart, to to the, to, the, to the human condition. I believe that the message of Christianity, the good news of Christianity, best makes sense of, of the mess that we see around us, of the brokenness of humanity and the hope that we have as humanity for, for a good and positive and bright and hopeful and God-filled future. It makes sense to those deep yearnings that I have for, 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 um, for connection with the divine. And so it makes sense to my heart, but I don't stop there. I also say it also makes sense to my head because I don't want to just follow something that, even though, you know, seems to make sense from a sort of spiritual point of view, totally flies in the face of what's true. So I, 
So Christianity makes sense to my head. I believe that Christianity gives us the best explanation for the deep and meaningful questions of truth that we have to answer. Those are the questions that we are looking at at a little bit over the course of this weekend of life, of meaning, of purpose, of destiny, and of truth. And and the, the theme of this little session, the theme of the last session was about life and how Jesus came to bring us life and that life is found in knowing God. In this session, I want to talk a little bit with you about questions of truth and what truth is. We live in a society that has been uh, now labelled as post-truth. Fake news was the word of the year back in 2017. Back in 2018, it was single use, um, funnily enough. But anyway, 2017 was fake news. The idea that the stuff that we get fed isn't actually trustworthy or true. In fact, even just recently, I was reading a story about um, a newspaper in America that had published a piece against, uh, I think it was Halle Berry, an actress, about... um, it was about um, someone that she'd had an affair with or someone that she'd been known or caught sleeping with. And anyway, she sued them and got, the, and, um, got a load of money out of it because the newspaper basically said, yeah, well, we just made that up. We wanted to make a story. But that's the kind of society that we live in, that, that the idea of presenting something to people that is accurate and true seems to have been put out of the window a little bit. Um, post-truth, as I said, is the label that's put over this culture and the society that we're growing up in the idea that truth is no longer just one big overarching truth. We reject the idea of full truth, you know, top down, everything's true. And now we're more in favour of an idea of whatever's true for you is absolutely fine. And another reason that I made that video wasn't just because of the whole um, hanging out with lots of people from different um, religious and spiritual background. It was partly also in a conversation that I had in a train back when I was about 19 or 20 years old. I was on a train and I was reading a book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and the lady sat opposite me um, started having a conversation with me and asking me what I was reading and and why I cared about that sort of stuff and and was I a Christian and again that question of why are you a Christian so I gave her answers and I started to show her and talk a little bit about the book and I also talked about um, why I believed that Jesus was who he said he was and offered some evidence to her about the life the historicity of Jesus and I gave her what I thought was was good sort of solid grounded evidence and at the end of the conversation I, I guess what I was expecting was for her to say okay well I want to pick holes in this that and that and to have a constructive conversation she actually said something really interesting she said you know what I think all that's true as well, but it's not true for me, it's your truth, and I honour and I respect your truth, but I've got a different truth, and and her background was a bit more kind of spiritualist, she rejected the idea of one religion being the right way, but she did think there was some kind of deity, and I was fascinated by her saying that, because I thought on the one hand that, that sounds like a nice thing to say, doesn't it, it sounds like the idea of, you know, whatever's fine for you is fine, but as someone that really wants to know the truth and to get to the bottom with that I just I struggle with that a little bit and so I want to unpack a little bit um, about truth with you and I want to ask some questions of truth and so what we'll do is I'll chat for like whoa. what time does this session finish whenever I want it to whatever's true for me lunch is one oh we've got loads of time okay great Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do discussion groups. What I want to do is I want to chat for maybe no more than 10 minutes. And then what I want us to do is to do a little sort of conversation in pairs around questions about truth. We'll do that and then we'll do our more traditional discussion time. It just keeps you on your toes a little bit so you're not listening to me rabbit on about truth for ages. Really interestingly, in John chapter 18, this is the passage after John 17 that I was talking about earlier, that prayer of Jesus praying that we might know life and that life is in knowing God. This is Jesus um, when he's been arrested and put on trial. 
And this bit where Jesus is having this conversation with Pontius Pilate, and he's having this conversation about kingdoms and why he come to earth, the idea that God, uh, Jesus had come to earth to show God's kingdom. And Pilate is trying to dig down as to why people are hating on Jesus so much and why they want him crucified. And he's getting frustrated because of the sort of answers that Jesus was giving him weren't helping him. He didn't think that Jesus had done anything wrong. He just couldn't figure him out. And there's this bit where Jesus is talking about his kingdom. So um, John chapter 18, verse 36 You can go there or you can write it down if you want. It says, Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Pilate said, you are a king then. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this reason I came into the world. To testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And this is really interesting. Pilate replied, what is truth? And with that, he went out to the Jews and said, I find no basis to charge um, against this man. Jesus says to Pilate, the reason I've come to this earth, remember in the last passage, John 10, the reason I've come to the earth is to give you life. Well, Jesus is following on from that and saying, the reason I've come to earth is to testify, is to show you the truth. And rather than Pilate asking him, well, what is, you know, how do I find this truth? What is tr-? He just says, what is truth? And walks away. And we live in a culture, I feel, which is a bit similar to Pilate. Of people just saying, I don't care about what truth is. You believe whatever you want to believe. But I think that that's damaging and I don't think that's helpful. What I want to do is I don't um, want this to be, again, like I said yesterday, I don't want this just to be intellectual, interesting stuff. I want this to point us towards God. There, there are different types of truth. And I think this is really important. When we're asking the question, what is truth? What do we even mean by that question? How do you even define truth? Well, most people, most scholars that work in the area of philosophy, working out what's true, epistemology, um, talk about these three kinds of truths that we subscribe to. There are logical truths, the idea that there are some things that are logically airtight. So, for example, there are no married single people is, is a logical statement. There, are, there can be no such thing as a single married person because those things are contradictions. So there is logic. There's also ontology. Ontology, don't worry about the word too much, but it's the idea. That is um, the study of the nature of being, essentially, the, the nature of reality. Ontological truths are things like real truths that we see around us. So the idea that this chair is blue. Now, interestingly, you may all be perceiving a totally different colour and calling it blue, but the idea that this chair is blue is an ontological truth. It's a reality truth. You can't argue with it. It's not a logical truth, but it is... Well, I mean, it's logical, that's a chair, but it's not ontological. And then there's abstract truths as well. The idea like, I have a mind, or um, I, um, I perceive my own emotions. Those kind of things are also true, but not true in the same way that other things are. And I, I think this is really important. Why do I think it's important? Because that's how God made us to be. God created us in a universe, I believe, of logical laws, of reality, of things being right. We know, are learning more and more and more through science about how the universe came into being and how the universe will eventually end. We, we are fascinated as human beings with truth. And I love that because that, I believe, is how God directed us and made us to be truth-finding beings. And I think to shut away, uh, shut away on the idea of truth and things being really real and really, truth, uh, really true isn't helpful for us. God designed us with logic and with reason and with good sense and that is not something to be divorced from the idea of coming to know him and having a relationship with him. In that fact for me, and I want to talk about this in our groups a little bit later, the idea of reason and relationship fit really nicely hand in hand. 
Jesus, as he does with the, with the nature of life, brings deeper meaning to the idea of truth as well. For example, John chapter 14, an absolutely amazing passage, and you'll know this quote really, really well. Conversation that Jesus has with Thomas, Thomas the disciple. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus does something really interesting with the idea of truth. He personalizes it. And he says, if you want to know real truth, you need to know me. I think that's fascinating for a couple of reasons. Firstly, the word that he uses for truth, again in the Greek, veritas, isn't just truth in terms of facts. The opposite to the word veritas isn't lies. It's not the idea of facts and lies. It's the idea of openness and hiddenness. So it's the idea that truth is like an, a, um, a disclosure an, or an opening of things, an opening of understanding. And Jesus says, if you want a full opening of understanding of, of truth, you'll come to know me. I'll point you that way. I also think it's really interesting because no one on their deathbed says, I wish I'd have learned more facts in life. I wish I'd have known more um, statistics. But, but a lot of people do die wondering what the truth is. And again, Jesus takes the idea of truth and partners it with relationship. There's a Christian, I believe, that what I believe is true and logical and makes sense. But I also believe that it is founded in a relationship. He says, I said earlier, Christianity makes sense to my heart and to my head. We're created with a need for relationship, but we're also created for a need for logic and reason. And in saying, I am the truth, Jesus is bridging the gap between heart and head. He's saying, if you want to know me, if you want to come into relationship with me, not only will you know life and you'll know abundance, but you'll also experience truth, logic, ontology, abstract stuff. I don't believe Christianity hides away from the deep questions of life. I believe Christianity makes sense of it. John chapter 8, Jesus says, and again, this is another famous thing that you've probably heard before. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So for Jesus, truth is more than just an intellectual exercise that helps you to know more stuff. Truth, relationship, heart and head brings us to freedom. I believe with all my heart that Christianity stands up to the big questions of life. Oh, I just lost it just at the wrong moment. There we go. And what I want us to do um, for a bit in pairs is to discuss some of those big questions of truth, of Christianity. And, and my, my aim for this is not just that you have an, an argument or wrestle with stuff or have your mind blown because I know that you're tired. I know that most of you slept for only like a couple of hours last night. I want to do this because I believe that in, that in searching for answers of truth that we connect ourselves more with the mind and the heart of God. That Jesus came to be truth. And if we want to experience a depth of relationship with him, we'll ask these questions. We'll wrestle with these questions. So here's what we're going to do. 17 past. So what we'll do is we'll do this until maybe, we'll do this for maybe 10 minutes. We'll see how we go. And then we'll do our small group time after that. I've got four questions. Oh, maybe more. We'll see how we go. I've got some questions that I'd love us to discuss in pairs. You may have come across these questions before. You may have written and ready answers for them. That's fine. If you don't, don't worry about it. I just want you to wrestle with it. I want you to think about the question. I want you to think about what a Christian answer to that might be or what the true answer to that might be. And then we'll share some thoughts on them together. We'll have a little bit of a chat time. So, um, Here's a question for you, a question of truth, a question that I really think means something. 
Science and faith. One of the typical views is that science has buried faith and they don't get on together. What's the truth there? What do you think the truth is? Chat to the person next to you for a couple of minutes and we'll come back to that. And I want you to be honest. I don't want you to say the answers that you think are right. I want you to wrestle with this question a little bit. It's a question of truth. Okay. Who, uh, who wants to be bold? Oh, hello. I mean, if you will have scissors and a balloon, heavy. Who wants to be bold and, and, and offer something to the group on that? I don't know how this microphone works with coming to for that. Do you want to, like, oh, you can? Okay, great. I think that science and faith, they look for the same things just from different ends. Science is looking at what can we prove, what can we establish as stuff that we can sit there and go, this is true no matter what. Whereas faith is, this is what I believe. I know there is no tangible kind of, there is nothing solid that I can touch that will prove it, but I'm believing in it because there will be fulfillment and there will be proof. So it, it's look at the same thing through different ways. Thank you. Anyone else want to have a crack? Yeah. I think they're both sort of very strongly interlinked, in my opinion. I think science is. A lot of, shut up, Sam. <laughs> I think a lot of the time science is more what is this and faith is more why is this so I think you can easily look at it from both rather than it being two opposite ends of the spectrum it's the same end of the spectrum but looking at different aspects of it we'll, do, we'll go one more for this one I'll come to you because there's a few more questions so I want to get some more um, I think that um, science is the explanation for religion. So, for example, the Big Bang, it's, it basically says that there was a point in space and from that point a universe was created and faith says God made that point there so that there could be a universe for humans to live in. I, I was asked this question, this question was levelled at me at a Grilla Christian session in a, in a school in Birmingham. Uh, a 12 year old young lad says uh, in chemistry and in biology our teachers have been telling us that uh, the discoveries that we're making in science mean there's no longer any reason or good reason why we should uh, hold to the Christian faith. So how do you think uh, science and faith work together? So it's a question that's being asked and many people take the view that they don't work well together. But I love the answers you've given there. I was taught it like this. Do you know, um, you may have heard this analogy before. Who's, anyone doing chemistry at a high, okay. Thinking about a kettle boiling. Why does a kettle boil? Why is, how does that all work? Filament, yeah. Exciting, the molecule, yeah, it's great, yeah. So you've got a piece of film in the bowl, it's exciting, the molecules, molecules move quick together, that, that's the idea of them, them being released and steam gets hot. But, another reason why the kettle might be boiling, is that I'm making a cup of tea. 
do you want a cup of tea? Now, does the, does the truth of the fact that I'm making a cup of tea mean that the truth of what you just said about how a kettle works, n- not true? Uh, both true. But one is an ontological truth, the idea of a reality-based observation they're making, and one is a question of like abstraction. This is my will, and this is what I want to do. So I think that's a great question and great answers to be giving. Here's another one I'd love you to talk about for a moment. Um, isn't Christianity just all about faith? And actually, what even is faith? How, how do you define faith, and how does faith work in a world where we're trying to make it sort of links to the last question but it's a little bit different isn't christianity just all about faith there's nothing that can prove it or or evidence that's been given for it ask that question amongst yourselves for a couple of minutes i'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well um we will not do a microphone does anyone want to yell out a thought on that someone that's not answered in the first one want to have a crack at it yeah go on I love that answer, yeah, and that's really nice. Anyone else? Yes, that's a great question. And that, so this was a question that was asked of me when I was having a debate with a history teacher. Uh, I was in a debate class when I was in year 13, because I'm really cool. Um, I was having a debate with him. He's an atheist, and he asked that question. Um, the word faith, as we see it in Hebrews and in Romans, is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, which means to be convinced. It means persuasion. So to have faith means to be persuaded. But you're right, there's parts in Hebrews which talk about having faith in what we don't see. There's a bit in Romans which it says that it's by faith that we receive and move into the grace that God gives us. So it's definitely, you can say, that Christianity is about faith. But that doesn't necessarily mean that faith means an absence of reason. So I think you can be persuaded by something, have faith on things that are reasonable and things that are not reasonable. I have faith, again, that I can sit on that chair and I won't fall in. You know, I might be, fall over, I might be wrong. But that faith which is to be persuaded by something. It's nothing to do necessarily the word with the extent of evidence that I have on it, but the word means to be persuaded. I'd have faith, I'd have persuasion that that would hold me up. There are things that people, gone. Oh yeah, go on, dive in. Huh? Oh yeah, of course you can. It's a bit, it's a bit of hand sweat. Um, I think the one thing that like is really reassuring is that like even, even atheists can't deny that Jesus was like a real person. So, like, I think it is all about faith, but Jesus is, like, proven to have lived and, like, preached. So, yeah. Totally. Thank you. That's really, really great. And the idea is that actually the faith that we have as Christians is reasonable. It's not based on just, yeah, that sounds nice. Let's go with that. So thinking about, and one of the other questions I was going to ask, but we want to have time for it, is what are some of the reasons that you would offer as being good reasons to believe in the Christian faith and the person of Jesus that no serious historian would deny that he lived and that he died preaching the message that he did. Obviously, there's going to be questions around whether or not he rose from the dead. That's, that's a fact. We think about, someone was talking about the Big Bang and the, the idea that the universe had, the, had a beginning. And what does that mean? And is there good evidence and basis there for belief in a God, the idea that something came from nothing we look about think about the fine-tuning of the world around us thinking about the presence of morality all that kind of stuff is reasons it's grounding now there is still a moment where you where you have as Christians where we make a step from that to a belief in God but it's not without reason so my definition of faith is that I'm persuaded by 
the Christian story, the Christian message. God, Jesus, not just because I want to and it sounds nice, but because there's good fundamental reasons underlying it. And then I make that step there. Okay, great. Let me ask um, one more question then. Um, oh, sorry, I moved to. I want to ask this one. Oh, it's not working. Let's go with this one. This is one that I was asked all the time growing up and asked when I have conversations with Muslim mates of mine and Hindu mates of mine and Jewish mates of mine, all that kind of stuff, and atheist mates of mine. So many different ways, so many different options. What is it that makes Christianity true? What's your views on that? Let's chat about that for a few minutes. Let's go deep. You'll earn some lunch for chatting about this one. After we talk about this one, we'll get into some groups and we'll do some small group questions. This is an interesting one. This isn't going to be as clear cut, is it? We ain't got time to properly go into this. Anyone want to be brave and bold on this one and offer? Yeah, Luke, you're being, you're being thumbed at, mate. Okay. Um, uh, I was just saying that um, uh, for me, Christianity kind of makes sense compared to perhaps other religions. Um, if you have a look, because I think uh, quite a few of the religions... Uh, is it called the Torah? Uh, like have a similar um, first part of their religious texts, and for me they only point one direction, uh, and that's that's towards Jesus. So uh, that's yeah. Hit me, Dan. Come back to you, mate. Jeez, uh, me and David said that. Um there's absolutely nothing that makes Christianity true or any other faith true. And we say that that's where faith comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's whether you have that faith or not. Okay. Um, yeah, that's basically what we said. What? Anyone else have one more? Oh, you're going to share? Okay. I think it's the way you look at it that, um, in a way, all religions are part part of the same rug they're just different coloured strands because they all have a, a god or gods plural maybe apart from atheism and even agnosticism because they they believe in something they just don't know what they believe in interesting okay I asked this question because this has been a question that I've been wrestling with for absolutely ages and I certainly don't have a perfect answer for it either <clears throat> Part of the question is, can lots of things be pointing the same way and can they all be true? Um, Where you go after you die is different in pretty much every one of those religions that are up there on the screen. So can they all be true at the same time? Well, logic doesn't suggest that they can. Most of them have different views about who Jesus was. Was he a prophet? Was he a mystic? Was he the son of God like he seemed to say he was? Or was he just a normal person that is confused? Again, can they all be true logically? And one of the quotes that I really find interesting on this is by a guy called Ravi Zacharias who says, it seems on the surface like all of these different religions are... um, superficially different but fundamentally the same he said but I think it's the other way around I think when you really look at the details what these different religions teach and what they practice and their views on God and the afterlife what you'll see is that fundamentally there are difference but there are superficial similarities Um, 
I like the idea, and it, it's a nice idea, the idea of the mates of mine that are really committed to Islam one day will be in the same place. But there's something about the teachings of Jesus saying that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Something about the idea, logically, of there being such a thing as truth and one way and one thing that makes sense to the exclusion of other things. The um, exclusivity of truth that makes me think otherwise. Look, here's what we're going to do, because we've only got like 20 minutes left and I want us to go into our small groups. I wanted to do this, and I wanted to make this part of my talk, because I believe that truth and searching for truth is a really fundamental practice, not just for our minds, but also for our hearts, as we wrestle with these questions with each other and with other people and with God. And sometimes they lead to moments where we go, oh, flipping heck, I didn't think about that before. And even sometimes there can be challenges around doubts. But Jesus tells us that if we seek for truth, will find him. He tells us that he is the truth. And as we spend time with him, he will reveal things about the universe that we're a part of. He tells us that as we uh, find truth in him, we'll have freedom as well. So having these kind of questions and topics and diving into them is really, really important to do. I think it's a, in part, a spiritual kind of practice and good for us. Let me pray. And then what I want us to do is to get into our small groups and to chat about this further. Um, the subjects of my talk tonight and tomorrow are going to be very different to this and different themes. But I want to see with this, this with you because I think it's important. Um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you created us in a universe that boasts uh, logic and reason and rationality and things that make sense. But thank you also that you call us to trust you and that there is an element to faith which is just that. It's trusting you. But I thank you that the trust that we have in you is not unfounded. Father, I thank you that as, uh, as human beings, we search after truth. We search after meaning. We want to know what makes sense. We want to know that it's what's right. We want to know what's true. And thank you that your word in the Bible doesn't shy away from those questions of truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you tell us in your word that you are the truth, that you personalize truth, that you make truth a relationship where we get to know you for the satisfaction of our hearts, but also um, the satisfaction of our minds as well. And Father, I pray for these guys today as they chat about more of these questions or if they go back to school and chat with maybe some of their mates that have different viewpoints for them or go off to university and meet people from totally different backgrounds and have conversations they never thought they'd have, that Lord, in in getting deep into these questions of truth, they'd be drawn towards you. Lord, that in uh, discovering things about the world and our existence and of rationality and logic, they'll be pulled closer into a relationship with you, you who claim to be the truth, and that in knowing that truth, there may be freedom. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for all that we've done this morning. Bless us in our conversations now as we chat about some of these issues a bit more. In Jesus' name, amen. Maxine.